Morgan Chase Bank, and a member of FDIC. Here's Rich Holtis. Tune in every Friday morning at 7.30 as I sit down with Bob and Josh to look ahead at the weekend in the Chiefs' kingdom. 7.30 Fridays on Fesco in the Morning, right here on 610 Sports Radio. KCSP Kansas City, WDAFHD2 Liberty, always live on the free Odyssey app. Gold of Cody and Gold fame. Also, that betting show. You guys mm. heard of it? Thursday nights here on 16 Sports Radio. He's going to join us coming up here in 15 minutes. That's right, folks. So, if you're on your way to the grocery store, if you're making some last-minute pickups or heading out to the stadium, you're going to want to stay in the car for this one. Crank that radio up at the tailgate. It's gold time. That I... makes sense. Stay in the car for this one, and it's Alex Gold. Yeah. Who stays in the car to eat? Uh, he does. He does. He has been known to eat his Chipotle bowl. Some people call him a serial killer. Sitting in his car. He's he got eats a lot of cereal. He's it, a killer of the cereal. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's right. That's right. So uh, we'll get all of that. Really? It's a tell I all. yelled out for the hot take thing, but he gets away with that. Really? But that was actually good. Oh, that was hilarious. Dude, that was hilarious. <laughs> and so uh, uh, it will be a tell all, a never before heard exclusive sit down interview with Alex Gold coming up at 1015. You're not going to want to miss it. I'm Nick Schwartz with Dusty Likens, Rob Britton, Grant Nicholson. This is, uh, I guess, three guys, one mic, even though. We should just keep changing the name every segment. Yeah, we have we have three mics, so it's not actually an issue. We were just talking with Carrington about Chris Jones. That Rob, you'd asked him if you thought he was going to get a sack today. And when you look at this Chiefs pass rush, second in the NFL in sacks this year, the Bengals allowed the fifth most sacks of any team in the league this year. It feels like that's one massive advantage, one massive matchup advantage that the Chiefs have in this game that's being overlooked. And I know what the natural inclination is to do, which is to say, well, they sure didn't have a lot of success getting after him the last two times they played him, which I would agree. I think we would all agree, though, that the Chiefs pass rush is significantly better this year than it was a season ago. Mm -hmm. And more than that. What do you think is most likely to happen in situations like this? That a guy who gets sacked about as much as anybody in the NFL continues to not get sacked by a team who gets about as many sacks as anyone in the NFL? Or will we finally see the regression to the mean and the thing that's supposed to happen happen, which is the Chiefs pass rush getting after and taking down Joe Burrow? Like you said, maybe it's lazy by me and you even laid it out, but it. We have not seen it. Last but it will happen at some point, right? Last it will Bengal, happen. Last year's Bengals offensive line was worse than the one they pl- are playing with today and was way worse than the one they played with in the regular season game last year or the AFC Championship game last year. And Chris Jones and Frank Clark were no-shows. They didn't exist. Mm-hmm. And then this season, their line was better because they were healthier. And the off- offense and the defense lines, the Chiefs got one sack. But it was when Joe Burrow did that little quarterback rollout and fell down and George Kalafs got a sack. Congrats to the stat gods. He gets one. But that wasn't really a sack per se, I just think I know it's a three game sample size and I know that's the epitome of small, but we haven't seen it. And Zach Taylor now in multiple games against the chiefs and then against the bills with an offensive line of me, you dusty and Ted Karras is just smoking people. I don't know how he's doing it, but it's working. That's their one actual player, Ted Karras. He's their center. Texas guy? Don't get political, man. So, yeah, come on, man. But, yeah, Uh, I've never seen it, so I I can't bet on seeing it until I see it. So, call me a homer, uh, which is fine for this segment. Thank you. For this segment. And I'm going to put three things that I think are are different from this week uh, as opposed to last week. 
I think the snow affects the defensive line bet worse than it affects the offensive line. That's so fair. I don't think that Buffalo, let alone, was able to get the jump off the line that maybe Cincinnati was maybe expecting with the way their defense plays. And I don't think that they were able to, you know, really dig in. Uh, there is no snow in this game. It's just cold, but that field's got a heater underneath it. It's natural grass. It's going to be fine. And I think the Chiefs have more pass rushers than Buffalo has. I mean, they have Dunlap, they have Clark, they have Jones, they have Karloftis. And I think that the the offensive line that is missing two starters, a left tackle, which is very important, and what is it, a right guard? Is that the other one? Or yeah. I think it's right guard, left right. tackle. Mm-hmm. And you think about it, left tackle is going to be Frank Clark Dunlap just shuffling in and out, in and out, in and out. And your right guard is going to be Chris Jones' spot. So, A, there's no excuse. B, there's nothing that can really slow them down when it comes to getting pressure to Joe Burrow. And C, the one thing that they've never done, one of those guys like, go hurt him. I don't want that to happen. But Okay, Florio, relax. Right? But what I'm saying is that, like, if Joe Burrow drops back and you can, you know, classic Derek Thomas, come from the blind side, hit him, get him down on the ground, that gives him that feeling of, like, twist his ankle in the pile. I'm here, man. Like, okay, I just got hit. Like, he's got, and I gave it a baseball analogy. Like, he has all the confidence. He's the guy that's came up against your pitching three out of three, hit two home runs, and roped a double to the wall. It's time to get a little bit inside and make him feel uncomfortable in the box because the man has no fear when it comes to going up against your defensive line, and it's time to, you know, buzz a little 97. No, I'm saying, I actually, I disagree. I think you should hurt him. I think you should try to hurt him. (laughs) No, mentally, mentally, like, hurt his feelings. Tell him he doesn't look good today. I think, to your point about that Derek Thomas thing, though, I think one of the things that we talk about O-line, like, it's yep. just the O-line versus the D-line. I think one of the reasons, on top of the fact that Zach Taylor's done a really good job, is Joe Burrow gets the ball out of his hands lightning fast. Mm-hmm. He is very, yeah, very but, good but, about it. He was okay, good at LSU. He's good about it now. He got sacked, what, 55 times this He's year? He's done it great against the Chiefs because they have looked at the Chiefs and they have said, we have former KU football commit, please refer to him that way forever, Jamar Chase, on the outside, and you can't stop him. So we can do snap, boom, boom, bang, there's six yards, and now you're going to be a little more soft. You're not going to be as aggressive and that's that's how the Bengals has seemed to have gotten the Chiefs you're right other teams don't have this problem other teams have corners that they the Bengals look at and go oh I think that I can stop Jamar Chase that's the thing for me is that the Bengals have always said Jamar Chase is just so much better than the guy across him whether it's Ward in the matchup last year Sneed McDuffie they don't care they're picking on him they're saying we're going to chase yeah and because Burrow gets the ball of his hands so fast and that's one of the reasons why this happened I made this comparison earlier and I know it's different defensive coordinators and the whole deal sure. but remember in 2013 everyone's like oh this Chiefs pass rush is great they got Houston mm-hmm. and Holly and they're they're great Peyton Manning's offensive line isn't isn't great they're gonna get to Peyton Peyton got the ball of his hands lightning fast he was yeah. basically never okay a okay so then let Chiefs. me so the okay so but then explain this to me if this is such a good offensive strategy like to get the ball out quickly why don't the Bengals do it against literally any other team I think it is as simple as Zach Taylor and Joe Burrow say they have no one that can stop Jamar Chase I think I think that's what I think other teams in the league have corners they're like all right we can't just pick on that guy over and over and over again. So does Spags shadow Chase with that, I with, think with, uh, with Snead today? That's going to be the have to be the thing. He's going to have to do he something. Because he started doing that this year, right, mm-hmm. with Snead? He's going to have to have Snead follow him or, you know, be a little bit underneath with a Bolton or someone and do something so that Burrow doesn't think there's free seven yards because Jamar Chase is standing out there. Because I know he wasn't as dominant in the AFC Championship game last year as he was the first matchup. Mm-hmm. He was still a factor in the game. And in the second game this year, he was still a factor in the game. They do a good job of getting him the ball. Yeah. You saw the pass interference that affected the game this regular season. Because he's the one that caught the first down at the end, right? Mm-hmm. The quick slant. I, I think Jamar Chase is a bigger problem than the uh, 
Chiefs pass rush. And I think the two work in unison. If you can slow Jamar Chase down mm-hmm. or at least get in Burrow's head where it's not free yards, yeah. then maybe he holds the ball for that extra split second, which he does against other teams. And now your pass rush gets home against me, you, and Ted Karras. Again, not Ted Cruz, Ted Man, you Karras. keep yeah. referencing Ted Karras. And he is their center. I feel I'm, like you're dead set on Ted Karras becoming a household name. And, Rob, it's just not going to happen. Do you know what? He is probably their only healthy offensive lineman, so I'm going to keep referencing him. You know, it just sounds like a made-up name. and I'm All names are made up. Is. Who has a bigger game, Karloftis or McDuffie today? I think for the Chiefs to win, McDuffie has to have the bigger game. Yeah, but McDuff- what's the biggest game McDuffie's had to date? I think it's you look you at know? Jamar Chase numbers. Yeah. If Jamar Chase goes... Five for sixty-five and no touchdowns. That's basically a normal. That's yeah. that's like that's we, stopping it. That's like holding the, LeBron to if nineteen. We can get like that next gen stat on Monday. That's like Chase when targeted with McDuffie on him had mm-hmm. you know three catches, nine yards, and that and like you know whatever. Then that's the arrival game. And if you get the play that we asked for with Karloftis, who would be coming against the right side, but if he can get the sack fumble to Burrow, it's like has Karloftis arrived is like the next big you know draft pick from Beach, but. Man, I'm really watching Legereus Sneed in this game. I'm really watching Watson, and I'm really watching McDuffie because, man, this is this is some serious talent in the wide receiver game for for the Cincinnati Bengals. T. Higgins is a wide receiver one on probably what eighteen NFL teams. There's probably a few if he's the not Chiefs. on. Yeah, literally. I mm-hmm. mean, Chiefs. He's wide receiver number one. I think in in Denver, he's probably wide receiver number one, even though they have Sutton and Judy. But he's one of those guys that just. He seems like if you can get inside their head, and to me, nothing would be better than to take a rookie and make him frustrated with with Jamar Chase. You know, seeing as how it's a big game, AFC Championship, we'll take some calls today, 913-586-7610. Ludo from KC joins us now on the show. Ludo, what's up, man? What's up, guys? Hey, is CDOT still there? CDOT is... No, no, no. No, (laughs) CDOT is not here. All right. Okay, I thought he was, like, coming on at that. Anyways, um, I'll just kind of – you guys asked him what the biggest, like, matchup was. I don't know if he was ta- – I mean, he, he talked about Jarek McKinnon, and I think that's an excellent answer on the offensive side of the ball because, I mean, I think it's a godsend. Hilaire got injured. Now we have arguably the best one-two punch and the best RB2 in the entire league in McKinnon, and we're going to need him in the short game because if you guys think that – I love the optimism on Mahomes being able to roll out. I don't even want to say that. Roll out. No, like We need to have quick passes. We need the screen game to McKinnon. But to answer the question for me, it's how the heck do you stop Jamal Chase on the other side? Because that's been the X factor for me. Um, I haven't been able to watch the Chiefs like I used to last season because of work. Can you guys kind of just touch on what you think we can do? Do we blitz more, which I don't think is really the best idea, but, like, how do we stop Jamar Chase? Uh, uh, yeah, it's a good it's a good question. Uh, and thanks for the call, Ludo. Um, that's Real a question quick. that, what, you know. When we take callers, please call to talk to us, not Carrington. Okay, listen, you know, why are you going to be so I, mean? I get that, for, you know, 20 hours a week. Hey, Ludo I, sat I, there and waited on the, on the line for eight to minutes. To talk to someone who's not on the show. But he still talked to us, you know. That's fair. And now he's not here. And you want to criticize the man. He's a good man. He's a good American who's calling in. A listener of this he, program. He definitely said that McKinnon and Pacheco is the best one-two punch in football. That was that was bold. By the way, you know. and Not I, true, but it's bold. Okay, well, you know, it's beauty's in the eye of the beholder. As for the Jamar Chase question, 
Does he, go ahead. Sorry. Did you have something else you wanted to add about Ludo? I mean, are we going to just like hang <laughs> no, up? I was on Jamar, no, I was on the Jamar Chase thing. Okay, I, I have the thing that Rob brought up earlier this Okay, year, well, just, just for week. the record, Jamar Chase, how do you stop this guy? Remember, Jamar Chase went on the IR. There was a thought that Jamar Chase with that hip injury like might be out for the rest of the season. Didn't end up having surgery. Went on the IR. He missed five games. So Jamar Chase, with just 12 games played this year, still finished the season with 87 receptions for 1,000 yards and nine touchdowns. How do you stop this guy? In short, you don't. You just hope that he doesn't have one of those games like he had against you last year where he went for, what was it, 180 yards and mm-hmm. three touchdowns. You can't afford for him to torch you like that. It's the same sort of Devontae Adams dilemma. These guys are going to get theirs. Jamar Chase is going to have seven or eight catches. He's probably going to have 80-plus yards. But the difference between him doing that and going for a buck 40 and two touchdowns is the, probably the difference between you winning and losing. So how do you slow him down? Just don't get torched by him. Don't have bo- broken coverages like you had last week when he scored a touchdown. It's, it's the LeBron effect or Giannis what or whatever, it, yeah. whatever, whatever NBA player dominates. He's going to get his. Yeah. You got to hold him under 30. You got to be like, all right, he's going to get he's going to get 22 and 10. But we'll live with 22 and 10 if Pat Connaughton isn't making Why are you making us. an NBA ref? You could have just done it for football. You know, I, what you, Pat Connaughton's going to help you make your point I'm, here. You know what I'm doing? <laughs> I'm showing off my sports knowledge. Not a lot of people know Pat Connaughton and Ted Karasley. I know those guys. That is <laughs> just who many, I am. How many obscure <laughs> athletes can you name is, today? You know what? You told me I can't Mark make hot Spitz. take references. <laughs> I can't make hot take puns. So now I'm just going to show off my sports knowledge. Fine. Oh, if you want go. the Lakers, Dennis Schrader. That good enough for you? <laughs> if that guy beats us, whatever. So it goes. So Who's the Pat Beverly? Joe Mixon? I mean, I think Pat, honestly, Pat Beverly might be too relevant. Eli Apple's Pat I'm going to say, it's it's Eli Eli Apple. Apple. Yeah. Yeah. I was was like, that that one's a layup. Sorry to derail your point. Yeah. Yeah, My point is simple. The star is going to get his. You just got to limit what his looks like. And that's why I said, like, a winning day for the Chiefs is six for 65 for Chase. You're like, Mm -hmm. it's a nice day, but it's not a transcendent day. And that's probably their strategy against Travis Kelsey and the Chiefs. Mm -hmm. Let him have his 75 and six. Don't let him have eight, 130 and two. Everything the Jags did do the opposite. Cover him. Right. Yeah. Um, Identify he's on the field. (laughs) To go back to the answer to the question, how do you stop Jamar Chase? You just have to have one of these young corners step up. Like it's week, like here's week 21. These guys are, are are vets now. They've they've surpassed the rookie day. It's you know, can Watson get in there and, and cause an aggravation? Can a rookie like Trent McDuffie cause That's it though, right? Yeah. Like just want have one or two plays yeah. that you break up on a big, like crucial third down situation. Yeah. Or like, you know, the, the game starts out and and Burrow throws a, a play action over the top, you know, twenty-five yards in the air and, and it's broken up by a Trent McDuffie rookie, or it's broken up by a Watson seventh round pick and J and, and Jamar Chase is Oh wow! Okay, they're here. Like they're they're here for this action, and then it goes from there because it seemed last year every time Jamar Chase got going, it was like one play, and it was okay. Buckle up because here he goes. And you, you, at that point, you can't stop a, a a force like that when they're when they're in the zone and their talent takes over, and they know they're the best player on the field. Yeah, I mean he is simply one of the elite receivers in the NFL, and there's only so much you can do to. Try and slow him down. I Former believe, KU football commit. Let's refer that's to him right, that way. That's right. For about 24 hours? That was, it was? that was a fun 24 hours for Dave Yeah, Beatty. it was one of those. He the, was riding hoverboards. He was having a great time. Yeah, it was, a great, it was probably the greatest moment of the Dave Beatty era what at he's doing now? Kansas. He's a receiver coach at FAU. Uh, See uh, that? More obscure sports knowledge. There Nick, we go. Come and get me. Uh, Rob Britton, ladies <laughs> and gentlemen. Does the Wave in the Wheat podcast. There's only one of them. There's only <laughs> one of them. I think the over-under for Jamar Chase, I believe, is 83 and a half receiving yards today. Versus the Chiefs. Should we be hitting the over? 
Let's ask our next guest, Alex Gold of Cody and Gold, joins us on the other side with Dusty Likens, Rob Britton. I'm Nick Schwartz on 610 Sports Radio. You're listening to After Hours with Dusty Likens on 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app. Brought to you by Twin Peaks. Eats, drinks, scenic views. Eric Bieniemy's name is uh, popping up all over the place this morning. Not for head coaching positions, though. We'll get into that coming up here in a little bit. I am Nick Schwartz, Dusty Likens, Rob Britton, Grant Nicholson producing. This is three guys, one mic. That's right. That's well, right. It is until we're fired. So uh, that's the voice of Rob Britton, and uh, it's a special time for Rob. It's a special time in Rob's life because his birthday is coming up. So. Dusty and I, we put our heads together and we decided we wanted to do something super special for Rob on this very special day. Oh, yeah. So we went after a big guest. You know, we go after the big fish, man. And sometimes we swing and miss. But every once in a while, we hit with this one. Yeah, we hit this one out of the park. We got a a bet. So so Rob money making savage. Oh, man. The tease. Yeah, you can say that. Okay. And you should say that. You did. It happened. A very, very special guest joining us now on the show for Rob Britton's birthday, the mm. one and only host mm. of Cody and Gold and that betting show. You can hear him on the BetQL network. Mm. I can hear him rolling his eyes right now. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> Alex Gold joining us now on the program. Go ahead and welcome our friend Alex on for your birthday. Alex, good morning. How you doing, sir? Hey, good morning. Dusty knows me too well. I, that's exactly my reaction, actually, as Nick was talking. I knew Nick had something up his sleeve. Uh, yeah, but a happy, happy upcoming birthday to Rob Britton. We, you know, Dusty, we, we all kind of had a thing for, for Rob Britton's mm. birthday last night, okay. uh, and I, I, didn't, I didn't see you there. Yeah, why don't you kiss my ass? Wow. Didn't you already say <laughs> Sunday? Yeah, well, there you go. Oh, come on, man. Yeah. Come on. Uh, yeah, thanks for making me Larry David, Alex. I appreciate that. Can I, I cut in real no quick? Problem. Can I cut in with Alex what's, here? What's new? Uh, I, I, it's, it's early, Alex. I'm just curious. Good morning to you. You said and that already. I wanted to know, uh, have you eaten breakfast yet today? What have you nourished your body with this yeah, morning? Honestly, uh-huh, so I, I didn't sleep I didn't sleep great last night. I think a little excited for the game today. I got up. The dog woke me up early. I actually just pounded some breakfast. Dusty would be proud about this. We okay. just had a couple buttermilk pancakes, some mm. scrambled eggs, some oh, uh, wow. strips of bacon, said we. Uh, some hash browns, a cup of hot chocolate. Oh, we're good. Dude, where are you, where are you um, getting this feast from, Gold? So this was a actually an IHOP uh, visit. It wasn't Waffle House, Dusty, but it Man. was IHOP, and it, it did the job. And you had hot chocolate. Hot, I was going to say hot chocolate. Oh yeah, you it's freezing outside. Too? By the way, I got to start warm. <laughs> I got to start bulking up before five thirty tonight. Say, you know, I got I got to get some extra weight on me for this game today because I'm going to freeze my ass off. Okay, so run it again through the breakfast. You had pancakes, eggs, sausage, hash browns. Uh, pancakes. Eggs, bacon, hash browns. Okay, eggs were what? Scrambled. Scrambled. Hash browns. Any ketchup or anything? Any hot sauce to them? No, no, no. Just, just good old fashioned hash you just browns. Just raw dog the hash browns. Did you get any toast? I, I did. Uh, no <laughs> toast. No, he got the pancakes. He didn't need toast. Yeah, pancakes. Yeah. That is, a, yeah. That's an all American breakfast for an all American man. <laughs> it was fantastic. I'm, oh, I'm stuffed. Man. I'm good till about three o'clock. I think. Wait, all right, Alex. Time. Well, thank you for joining us this morning. We hope you have a great day, man. Yeah, you guys as well. Enjoy the game. <laughs>
Uh, hey, we were just talking about Jamar Chase on the other side. How are the Chiefs going to keep this guy in check? You are the betting expert here at 610 Sports Radio. I think uh, the over-under is 83-and-a-half. Would you live with that if, if Jamar Chase finishes with 84 yards as a Chiefs fan? Are you, are you content with that effort? Yeah, I mean, I think he's that type of receiver where that doesn't for sure mean you're losing the football game by any means. I mean, Jamar Chase goes for a buck fifty. obviously. Uh, it's a whole different conversation. I think if you told me Jamar Chase had 85 yards receiving on six catches uh, and, and certainly didn't, didn't have a touchdown, I think you would absolutely love that. I actually like the reception total for Jamar Chase a little bit more than the yardage because uh, I do think the Chiefs will do a decent job on him in terms of the big play. But, look, they're going to run slants, as you guys know. The middle of the field probably going to be open at times. And he's going to have over his reception total. I think it's sitting at six and a half. He averages about eight targets a game when he plays the Chiefs. So I feel more confident in actually him racking up a bunch of catches. But maybe the Chiefs do a better job tackling uh, this go-around compared to what they did in week 13. Gold, I know you're a big getting, betting guy. You're on BetQL, BetQL fame and that betting show and the whole deal. Isaiah Pacheco's over-under for yards, for rush yards today, is 49-and-a-half, which is very disrespectful-sounding to me. I think the Chiefs are able to run for more than 50 yards Pacheco, especially Mahomes, on a bum ankle. But I always catch myself when I look at these numbers, and I'm like, what does Vegas know that I don't know? Is it as simple as they don't trust Pacheco and it's a McKinnon game? Why, why is his over-under so low? Because it seems like free money to hammer the over. No, I'm with you. This is the one that doesn't make any sense. And it kind of scares me a little bit because I feel like everybody is all over this rushing total for Pacheco. You can actually even get it at a better number than 49 and a half. I I just put in a a parlay a little while ago, right before I hopped on with you guys. And at one of the books here in town, you can get it at 46 and a half. Mm. So even lower than 49 and a half, which is pretty crazy. I I, I don't understand the number. Sometimes you look at a number and it doesn't make sense. And when the public's all over it, it makes me a little bit nervous. But, I mean, I'm assuming he's getting, what, 10, 11 carries in this football game? Is he really only going to average, like, three yards a carry? I just, I think Isaiah Pacheco, his running style, he's going to pop one for at least 10 yards at some point uh, in this game against Cincinnati. And I would like to think if the Chiefs are in position, like they have been in each of these three prior matchups, to, you know, close this game out in the fourth quarter, that maybe, maybe this time around they'll actually – lean on Isaiah Pacheco a little bit more. So, no, I, I love the total, even at 49 and a half, but if you can get it at 46 and a half, I think Caesars has it there. Uh, that's a really good number. Have you ever seen Vegas move as much as they've had in, a, in like a single game like this one? Not in the 48 to 72 hours like we saw early yeah. in the week. I, you know, I gave the example uh, to Nick earlier this week. We were talking about uh, when Jalen Hurts rumors were coming out earlier this season about the shoulder injury, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden everybody was trying to figure out what was going on with the MVP market shifting and with the uh, line when they were playing the Cowboys, all of a sudden the Cowboys jumped up to like a five-point favorite. I think that was a four-point swing uh, in one afternoon. So the only time we see it is when there's injuries involving quarterbacks. But I think it was 90% Mahomes' ankle as the reason for the movement, and then the good news came as the week went on. And then also we all saw what Cincinnati did to Buffalo. So if you were someone out there watching Cincy destroy the Bills and the Chiefs are opening up as a – two and a half to three point favorite, you're, you're probably thinking what, what the heck's going on here. It doesn't make any sense. Alex, is there a non-negotiable performance for the chiefs today? Is there one guy that you feel like absolutely has to bring his a game? If the chiefs are going to beat the Bengals, that's Chris Jones. I mean, guys, this is uh, a situation where he's got three backup offensive linemen on the other side. We all have talked for the last three years, four years, if not more about lack of playoff sacks we all know the history against the, the Cincinnati offensive line and their inability really to register the sack. We know about the AFC title game last year where Chris Jones was 
outspoken even about his own performance that, you know, he's got to find a way to bring down Joe Burrow last year. I mean, if it's not happening in this game, when is it going to happen? I think he has to have a sack in this game, unless you tell me that Frank Clark or Karloftis are going off in their own right. Um, I just find it hard to believe the Chiefs win this game without Chris Jones uh, causing havoc in the backfield. And, you know, optimistically, I, I wonder if there is a chance that we finally see the dam break a little bit on Cincy's old line like we saw it break for the Chiefs against the Bucks in the Super Bowl where maybe we, we downplayed the O-line injuries and we didn't think it'd be a huge deal. And then we saw the Bucks just go and destroy the Chiefs O-line. I'm hoping uh, that is something that we see tonight out at Arrowhead. Yeah, you mentioned the dam breaking. I was going to ask about pass rush because – I heard a lot of Chiefs fans making that Bucks Super Bowl comparison. They have a bum offensive line. They gave Mahomes fit. That could happen to Joe Burrow. But the Bengals have had bums at offensive mm-hmm. line every time they played the Chiefs. It's not like they went from the 3 Chiefs offensive line, the first matchup, to suddenly it's just this patchwork nothing. It has been a trash offensive line every time the Chiefs have played them. And they've had, what, one sack in the meeting? And it was because yeah. Joe Burrow fell down and Karloftis was close and got to touch him, but it was to get the clock running. I... I know I told it to Nick and Dusty earlier, maybe it's lazy by me, but until I see it happen, I'm not going to believe it happened. Do you actually believe the damn breaks or is there something that Zach Taylor, Joe Burrows, there's something they're doing that the chiefs just cannot figure out. No, I mean, I'm hesitant uh, to believe that it's going to, I mean, we talked all week that Cody's more confident. Uh, I think Nick was maybe as well than I was throughout the week that it's actually going to happen this go around. But I mean, the, for whatever reason, it's just different when they play Cincy because they're, they're the number two sack team in football. We know this. The Chiefs are, are definitely a better defense than they were in the AFC title game a year ago. But at the same time, to your point, last year was a bottom two, if not the worst O-line in football for Cincy, and the Chiefs couldn't bring Joe Burrow down. He's very effective in terms of, like, dipping the shoulder just enough to avoid the sack or stepping up just enough. He's really good at that. He's used to playing behind crappy offensive lines. I guess some of the, the confidence that people have is, not only that it's a better defensive line unit this year, but also that at some point, are we really going to be sitting here talking about four games in a row where the Chiefs uh, not only can't win, but also can't get pressure on him? I just, I think some people do look at the, you know, it's, it's due, it's time to go with this. And you know, sometimes that, that backfires on you, but, you know, it's not a terribly small sample size at this point. I mean, we are heading into game number four. Alex, this is my last one when it comes to betting in, in a game day question, and that is, Today at IHOP, what was the over-under of amount of people in your booth today? Was the over-under one? <laughs> there were three of us. <laughs> oh, there were three wow. of us. You nice thought you job. had them. Oh, yeah, man. nice job. There, like there were three of us there. There, gotta, were plenty, there were plenty of Chiefs up. fans, plenty of people in Chiefs gear. Uh, everybody, you know, everybody ready to roll. I know you guys obviously all saw the video already yeah. from last night. People lined up. Uh, When's the first the high noon get cracked for you today? I only do the high noon around water, man. I, I got to wait till it warms up. So you and I can, can go to the yeah. lake, the pool. We can get some high noons then. Whenever you're ready, man, I'm down. But uh, enjoy the game today, and uh, we'll, uh, we'll hope this money line bet hits for your boy today on the Chiefs. All right, man. Let's do it. All right. Thank you, Alex. No problem, guys. Thanks. All right. That is Alex Gold. What a guy. What? That was some I, a guy. I you guys brought the uh, big Dusty's guns just done with the du- Dusty's just done with the segment. This segment. It's, he's over. You know, it. we haven't even ended the segment. No, nope. he, he, hang up on gold. He's done. He's done for the day. Probably. Yeah, what a guy, man. That Alex Gold. They don't make him. They don't make him like that anymore. Are you an IHOP guy or are you a Waffle House guy or a Denny's guy? Because uh, I'm an IHOP guy. I mean, I'm not really. I'm not really partial to any of them. Uh, really? No, I mean, you don't have like if you're like you know I just need like a chain breakfast food. Where am I going? Yeah. No. Grant's a first watch guy. Did you know that about Grant? No, I didn't. I didn't know that. When have I ever told Jim a first watch <laughs> there's guy? There's so much. You know, there's so much about Grant I still don't know. Yeah. 
but that's cool. He's a little bit of a mystery, but yeah, he's always a big first watch guy. Uh, man of mystery. Another man of mystery, Pete Sweeney. Peter G. Sweeney, what does the G stand for? We may find out coming up at 11 o'clock. Also, a major, major life event Pete has went through. Mm. And uh, that's a tease for you. He, he may unveil it to us coming up at 11 o'clock. You will not want to miss that. But coming up next, one guy has been quietly flying under the radar lately. Could he be due for a big game? We'll talk about it next. 610 Sports Radio. You're listening to After Hours with Dusty Likens on 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app. Brought to you by Twin Peaks. Eats, drinks, scenic views. All right, welcome back. I'm Nick Schwer, Dusty Likens, Rob Britton, Grant Nicholson is producing for us. We got Pete Sweeney joining us coming up at 11 o'clock. I want to talk about these Chiefs wide receivers, one guy who could be due for a big game, but there is one member of the organization that could be, could be, on their last run with the Chiefs this postseason. That is offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy. And stop me if you've heard this one before, but Eric Bieniemy is being linked to openings around the NFL. The one difference right now, and I mean right now, as of this morning, according to Adam Schefter and Ian Rappaport, both the Ravens and the Commanders have requested permission to interview enemy not for their head coaching position, but for their offensive coordinator position. And according to Rappaport, enemy is expected to be one of the leading contenders for the Commanders' OC position. Now, I would personally rather be the OC for the Ravens and the Commanders, but I would rather be a head coach if I were Eric Bieniemy, just given the track record that you have with the Chiefs. Now, the Colts apparently are between he and Jeff Saturday, which tells you everything you need to know about that organization, but I feel like we've done this conversation so many times before that I cannot get to the point where I'm saying, okay, this is finally it, guys. This is finally it. This is this is Eric Bieniemy's last go as the OC, I just fully expect more of the same because we've done this time and time again over the last five years. I think he's leaving at the end of the year, and I think it sucks for him, and we don't need to have the same, we have the same conversation all the time, so we don't need to have it again, but it, there is something about being to me that they held against him. They never held against any of the previous OCs for the Chiefs, but every previous OC got a head coaching job, and he now has to go cut his teeth with the Commanders or the Ravens or somewhere as an offensive coordinator to now reprove his merit to be a head coach. He's interviewed with, like, what, 18 jobs for head head coach job? Yeah, over half the league. He, some, something has been dinging him. We don't have to get into what it is. I, I think I know what it is, but it, I feel bad that he has to go to the Commanders and or the Ravens to re-up his resume to show, look, I'm, I'm capable of being a head coach in the NFL. But it does look like, hey, he's headed somewhere else, and – I think it's good for his career. I think there's a chance he becomes Kafka and he goes out and another offense is great and he gets his resumes buoyed and he's a hot candidate again. And I think at a certain point, you know, the message gets stale. And I'm not saying it's that way now, but if he keeps getting passed up for head coaching jobs, you really don't want an offensive coordinator in the same building for 10, 15, 20 years. You want kind of a new voice, something new, a fresh set of eyes. So I think if he does go to the commanders or Ravens, it's good for both sides. But I, it's, it's a conversation we've had now for five years and it's, it's, it's tiring to have a, how, how come he gets knocked for this, but Doug Peterson didn't, how come people say this about him? They didn't say it about Matt Nagy when he was offensive coordinator. And it, it just is what it is at this point. But I do think this is probably his, this or the Super Bowl is probably his last game in Kansas city. Yeah. I think it's time that 
that he moves on. Not that it's like a bad relationship in Kansas City, but it's just one of those things where it's like, hey, man, we've, we've promoted you. We've, we've plugged your name out there for the last three years. I do have a little concern that he's failing in the interview process. Like, there's a lot oh, of... Oh, I think that's... Like, and I, I think that if yeah. you're going to be fair in this conversation, like, I think that it's, that it's to address the elephant in the room, I think that the, the one narrative is that he's an African-American coach. Like, I'll, I'll just say it. That's why he's probably not he said getting it. jobs as opposed to other people. But also, to throw the other side of it, I don't think that he's selling the interviews very well because... At one point, there's like, got to be something there, right? right? There if has it, to be something four, there. It could be two five, things. If it's four or five job interviews and they all, you know, disappoint, then it's like, okay, it's just four or five. We don't know. It's 18. Like, it's 18 times you've gone. And every time you've gone, you've never sold the person. And I think a lot to of To that this, point, Dusty, to yeah. that point, there, like, imagine the scenario where he goes in, kills the interview, yeah. has the resume, but then they're like, you know what? No. Then I also that, fit, you can throw on the... But does that, happen, does that happen 15 plus times? Probably not. Probably not, if we're being fair. The Rooney rule is a good rule, but I yeah. think there's a way that Vietnamese is the victim of it. It's I think also that, abused. I think that there are people like Jim Irsay, who is currently doing the most extensive search on Earth to only hire Jeff Saturday who bring people like Vietnamese in to check a box. Mm-hmm. And no matter how good or bad he is in the interview, he is there to check a box. That, that's why I think, again, the Rooney rule at its core is a good rule, but I think, right. for lack of a better term, Vietnamese has become a victim of it because he's being brought in for some of these 18 interviews just to be, hey, we've checked this box. And it's not an illegitimate interview, but he has to have 120% of greatness in the interview to even get on the radar for a second one. Meanwhile, you know, Jim Harbaugh, Nathan Hackett, whatever person come yeah. in there. And if they're just solid, they're getting a second interview. I, I think in a way he's a victim of the Rooney rule. Yeah. I mean, I think it definitely can be abused in certain situations. I also just think there's more to it than what is on the surface. The other thing too, I think that is inevitable for the chiefs and them to move past Eric B is that I think it's pretty apparent that Matt Nagy is the next head coach of this franchise. Once Andy Reid has decided to go away, Nagy has already had the job in Chicago he did win coach of the year, had a falling out with the front office, and now is back with Kansas City as the quarterback's coach. We all know how that goes, right? They tried to keep, you know, Kafka here as long as possible. Now his name's out there. But I think that the 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 latter is, okay, let's get Matt Nagy in here, see what he does for the next four years or however long Andy Reid wants to do it, or if there's a year set or if there's a ring set for Andy Reid. I think the magic number for Andy Reid is two more Super Bowl wins. I think if he gets three, that would put him up in the top three of all time in coaching wins. That would give him the success rate where he can just be like, you know what, I'm satisfied with this. And then you let Matt Nagy slide in. The thing is, is if you take Matt Nagy and move him up, who comes in? And to me, the smart move is to get somebody that's in that inner circle with Mahomes, with Andy Reid, with Matt Nagy, and I, I think that makes it move to have Eric Bieniemy either go to Indianapolis, go to Baltimore, which I think if he's a smart man, you stay away from the Ravens because that's going to be one really? of the hot, because that's just going to be a hot off season. Like, does Lamar stay? If Lamar Jackson leaves Baltimore, Eric Bieniemy's chances of being a successful offensive coordinator there probably not as high as they would be if he stayed. And if you look at a team like Washington, who has a guy like Ron Rivera who's familiar with Andy Reid, mm-hmm. that seems like it works a little bit better even though their quarterback situation is also a little bit bruised, but it's better if Lamar Jackson doesn't go to, to Baltimore to go to Washington. I mean, they have Sam Howell. I don't know if you saw him against the Cowboys. I mean, he's the greatest quarterback of all time. I just don't know why Taylor Heineke just always gets pushed to the wayside. Well, he lacks arm talent. I mean, that buddy wins with that team. Yeah. I mean, he keeps getting the short end of the stick, but and then die for that man for whatever it is. Scouting buzzword back there. Arm talent. Man, I yeah. would just love, I would just love to be in the room for one of Eric Bieniemy's 
interviews. Like, I wonder if I would come away with it saying, I, like, oh, okay, that's why. It just kind of reminds me of, like, when Drew Locke got drafted. Like, Drew Locke was, like, the SEC quarterback. He was supposed to be a good pro. And then it was, like, he's slipping in the draft. And then all the reports came out. It's like, yeah, because he doesn't know what he's doing when it comes to game situations. So, yes, talent is there, but game situation not a chance and now he's never going to start again in the nfl as the number one starter because it all came out to play when he was in denver and then geno smith and that's just never going to be taken away from him again in seattle but the thing is i just think that when it comes to situation because like maybe i'm wrong maybe i'm reaching here but it seems like there's a little bit of frustration and it's always between mahomes and eric b and me when something's not going right or something's not the way they want it to be executed there's been too many times on the sideline where those two are like at each other's, you know, maybe it's just competitiveness, but it just seems like maybe it's time to get a fresh voice. Mahomes is also getting older and wiser in the league, and I wonder how much longer we have until Mahomes is just given the floor to be like, hey, go out there. I don't know if that ever happens with Andy Reid's head coach, but eventually you'd think that that would happen where it's like, all right, I, I know what I'm doing. I'll, I'll avert to you guys if I need it, but I think eventually you've got to get less and less voices inside that helmet. I will say this real quick, though. If they if BME does move on and Nagy bumps up, the idea of a fresh voice now being in Kansas City, I think, is fraudulent. We know it's going to be a Reed tree, a Reed yeah. crony, for lack of a better term, yeah. or someone who's with the team and gets bumped up. Right. I know people are like, oh, there's all these offensive minds out there. It'd be fun to bring one of them in and pair him with Reed. Reed's going to bring in a guy that Reed knows and Reed trusts. Because remember, Matt Nagy right. was a quarterback coach now, which is a downgrade well, yeah. for him, but he knows him. But, That's he, what's but gonna he also happen. knew he was getting promoted. Yeah. And going back to... I, I think, think they should go get Cliff Kingsbury. Well, going back no to what chance. you were saying earlier, here, here's the thing about why it's a bad thing for BNME to stay. Because I know that you can sort of convince yourself that, well, this guy knows the system. It's continuity. That's great. It's bad for business in that the same way if you're a college basketball team and you've got a junior wing who you thought was going to be a one and done and now he's in his third or fourth year. The reason why you want those guys to move on is to make room for the next wave of guys. It's not that you need Eric yeah. BNME to leave so you can go out and hire a new offensive coordinator. It's you want to keep that train moving of guys coming in and being offensive assistants and then moving up to a position coach and then moving up to the OC. You want to continue to attract the young, bright minds in football when you have a log jam at your most important offensive coaching position. Mm -hmm. It's really hard, which is why you saw Mike Kafka have to go and take another job. I'm sure Andy Reid would have loved to have Mike Kafka as the offensive coordinator whenever that position mm -hmm. became available when Enemy goes and takes another job. But because that didn't happen, it creates a logjam. And if I'm a young, talented offensive mind, I'm looking at the Chiefs saying, as great of an organization as it is, do I really want to go there when there's no opportunity for mm -hmm. advancement because this one guy has been in the position for six Which years. Which is why I think the Chiefs are, I don't know, they're hoping BNME leaves, but they, they have no, to they undo you do, the, though, but you, you do. have to undo the jam, yeah. and you, you can sell it as, hey, this is best for your career. We're happy that you're moving on. This will better you long-term, but it does. They do. Have, you're 100% right. I bet if you ask Andy Reid, hey, who's the offensive coordinator in 2023? You ask him a while back. He said, oh, Mike Kafka by then. Everyone will have bumped mm -hmm. up. Yeah. Kafka now leaves. Kafka's going to be a head coach in the league in two years, and there's a log jam. And now you're right. If I'm hot shot offensive mind, am I going to come here and be quality control coach or maybe stuck there for four mm -hmm. years? Or am I going to go somewhere else and bump up the ladder? Also, you know, to, to give it Grant Nicholson some love here, it, yeah. who knows if he's Jerome Tang, like the guy right. was in Baylor forever. No one knew what it was. Look at K-State's program that's now. So well said. Or I maybe mean, he's Ron Prince. He was a position coach, and you well, just never hey, know. You, you know, can, that's you can go. You, you don't need to do that. You don't need to do that to I, Grant. I don't think it was. I'm just saying, position coach, Ron P. 
But you're not just saying. Ron you know? P for KC. People are talking about We're it. We're trying to lift Grant up, and you're just trying to push him Grant's back down to that because hole. I called him a first watch guy. He took offense to that. I hope Grant doesn't send you a Facebook. What is your problem today? I, I don't know, Rob. I'm just getting like bad energy from you I today. Got, I got great energy today. I'm, I'm bringing up Ted Karras. You know what it is? It's that birthday. It's that birthday arrogance. It's that birthday arrogance. All I know is I had. I had. I have a. Google Doc full of hot take puns, and I got one mm. in before I got yelled at. I, I don't like it. I love it. I had spicy sure. takes, almost as spicy as Dusty's wings up top. Mm. <sighs> Rob, right. I'm going to need you to stay after class. Okay. We're going to need to talk to you. Yeah. I would your, let you what suck is your face? I laughed at that one. Man. I thought that one was funny. <laughs> yeah, I got you. Me and encourage him. He just crapped on him, and then, and Grant, then he came back and said, Grant, you don't have to take that from him. There it is. We're going to need to take a break and hit the reset button. I okay. think there's one guy who's due for a breakout game this week. I'll tell you who it is next. You're listening to After Hours with Dusty Likens on 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app. Brought to you by Twin Peaks. Eats, drinks, scenic views. All right, Pete Sweeney is going to join us coming up in 10 minutes with Dusty Likens, Rob Britton. I am Nick Schwartz here on 610 Sports Radio. 112 yards and nine receptions. That is the stat line for one Juju Smith-Schuster over the last month of football. Nine catches, 112 yards. It's been the quietest stretch in his Chiefs career yet. It's hard to nitpick too much when the Chiefs are winning, when they finish the regular season as the number one scoring offense. I go back to Patrick Mahomes' comments in the preseason where he said, yeah, it's really going to be a everybody eats situation, right? Mm. It, it may be Juju one week. It may be Justin Watson the next week, MVS or Kelsey. I kind of thought he was being a little bit facetious, but now fast forwarding to the end of the season, he wasn't. He wasn't. He was telling the truth. It really is a get-in-where-you-fit-in situation. But now that you're in the, the AFC Championship game and you need your best players to show up, what is the expectation for what Juju needs to do? Or is it just more of the same? Is it just, I don't care as long as the offense is humming, I don't care what one individual player does? I'll say this about the everyone eats thing. It was true during the regular season, but one postseason game where everything's on the line, it was not everyone eats. <laughs> yeah. uh, how many, how many, how many receptions for Kelsey was, last week? It, it was great talk in September and October, and it was they backed it up. But when it was... Money time when it was win or go home. It wasn't really well, everyone eats. One Kelsey's person was always feasting. been Kelsey has always been yeah, independent uh, of that. True, but other people were allowed to get catches. He had what all of them basically. He, he had fourteen. He was the offense. To your Juju question, I actually think he's the most important player for the Chiefs today. A lot of people think it's Pacheco, the most important, the most player for their offense. I say for offense. A lot of people think Pacheco, McKinnon, et cetera, et cetera. I think it's Juju because what did we hear after the AFC Championship game last year and all off season? The Bengals sat back. They tested Mahomes' patience, and they said, we think you can't be patient. You can't dink. You can't dunk. You can't throw the underneath stuff all day. You're going to want to go deep to Hardman. You're going to want to go deep to Hill at the time, and we will beat you doing it this way. They did the same thing in the game this year. They dropped eight in the covers, and they said, mm -hmm. hey, take this free five yards and test Mahomes' patience and really test Andy Reid's patience, and both those guys eventually like, this is annoying, and they made mistakes because of it. Do you know what player will feast if they can actually stick to the patience plan? It's a little... Quick hitter to Juju. He's open on the side. Yeah, it's four yards. Hit it. He fights forward six yards. Now it's second and four. That play, if the Bengals are going to play the way they've played the Chiefs in the past, mm -hmm. is there all day. And if Mahomes can say, all right, screw you guys. I'll just run Joe Montana's West Coast offense. Juju should absolutely feast. The problem is, I think 
if Mahomes and Reed get impatient, they go away from Juju, which is where he thrives, that quick like chain-moving receiver, mm-hmm. and they try to take big chunks, and that's where the Bengals want you to do. So I think if we walk out of this game and it's tonight and Binks in the postgame show or you know we're on our group text texting and we're talking about the game, if we see Juju had seven for 75 yards and maybe a touchdown, he was just you know plodding along and like five of those catches were on third and four. The Chiefs probably win the game, but if Juju has another quiet day, similar to had against the Jags, where he basically was running cardio, Mm -hmm. then I don't know the Chiefs win this game. I think the Bengals are going to test the Chiefs' patience, and Juju should be the one that thrives because of it if the Chiefs are willing to be patient. This is just strictly an offensive topic? Offensive. He's the most important offensive player for the Chiefs this week. Obviously, Mahomes is always the answer, but... Well, yeah. I mean, I think the... For me, the most important player, if it's both offense and defense, I think is Chris Jones. Like, I think that's, yeah, that's I, but I mean, if we're sticking strictly to the offensive side, X factor for me, Kadarius Tony. Most important player offensively, Travis Kelsey. I know that sounds redundant and, and overused and maybe to take a turn from Rob, lazy, but okay, let's, let's talk about it. The back flares up. Everybody's concerned. Jody Forston's back on the team. Everybody thinks that's an issue. It's not. I think that's just a red zone option for the Chiefs, which has been great all year or was good when he was in the offensive mix. To me, it's Kelsey, right? Like, I just read you guys the stat in Odd Sharks. He sits at 78 and a half as his over-under is where it sits. And seven of seven games in the last three postseason games, he's literally hit 100 yards over every – he's always been over that number every time, averaging almost 180 a game. Travis Kelsey is what makes this offense move which means that helps the situation with Juju Smith-Schuster. I think we can say run similar or parallel routes to Travis Kelsey. So if it is, like Rob says, third and five, and you need that first down to move the chains, if Travis Kelsey's been just ticking along all day, they're going to bracket Kelsey, and that's going to give Juju that situational route where it's like, okay, man, this is a one-on-one matchup for six yards. You have to get this because Travis Kelsey's been so dominant so far early. Yes, Travis Kelsey is the best tight end in football, maybe the best we've ever seen play the position, but it's still very viable that he is the number one guy on offense that makes the plays, it gets the yards, it sets the tone. The offense just moves differently when Travis Kelsey gets that first down and sets the ball down in the, in the you know, what I love, the arrogant way, or, you know, shows that he's here for this. And again, I know the back injury has had a lot of people concerned, has a lot of people, uh, you know, a little bit, whatever, but like Carrington said earlier when he joined the show, he's fine. He's going to play. Not everybody's 100%, but if he goes out there and on the first drive has three catches and it's, you know, the 35, the the 30 yards on three catches and then gets you down in the red zone, you, you pump it in with Pacheco, then it's like, all right, there's no back issue. He's here for it. Now we've got to kind of shift to, like, making sure he doesn't do like what we said, the LeBron James can do, have the eight for 114 and two touchdowns. The Chiefs had three players uh, finish the regular season top 20 in yards after catch. Nobody else had more than two. There were four teams who had two. The Chiefs had three. Travis Kelsey finished third. Jarek McKinnon finished seventh. And Juju, despite the fact that he missed about a game and a half, finished 19th on that list. He would have been even higher if it weren't for the concussion that he suffered against the Jags. So this team, I mean, that is right there evidence of the evolution of this offense. And you go back to how last season ended, how the Chiefs lost to the Bengals was because they knew, the Bengals knew, that Mahomes would get impatient taking all the underneath stuff and he would want to force the ball downfield. Mm-hmm. He's clearly comfortable doing that. And he did it in route to what is going to be a runaway MVP season in 2022. The one guy I'm really interested to see because he finished this, the week last week, uh, second in receiving for the chiefs is Kadarius because I do think Kadarius, even though he's only playing like 20 snaps a game, mm-hmm. they are, fo- they are intent on putting the ball in his hands because there's nobody on this chiefs roster. Nobody 
who is more dynamic with the ball in his hands than Kadarius is. And I and I feel like even though Juju will outsnap him, MVS will probably outsnap him. Justin Watson might outsnap MV or Kadarius. When Kadarius is on the field, I feel like they see him as one of the most valuable weapons they have. So even though his raw numbers may not be that impressive. I feel like his impact on the game is as important as any other wide receivers on this team. Does McColl possibly being activated change that for you? Because I would say right now what they're doing with Tony is the McColl Harmon role. It's jet sweeps, it's quick little RPOs, get the ball, yeah, he's but, a dynamic but, playmaker. But the difference if is Harmon's playing, I don't know that they have him in that role. They, they don't need two guys in that difference. role. Here's the difference is we've already seen in a very, very limited sample size that they trust Kadarius to go and make those one-on-one catches downfield in a way that they don't trust any other receiver, Juju yeah. included, because Kadarius profiles as a number one receiver. Juju does not. Like, Juju is not a number one receiver. Nobody else on this roster is a number one receiver. Kadarius isn't there yet, but I do feel like this postseason run is sort of the the appetizer into potentially Kadarius becoming that guy on this team next year. But you can go a long ways towards determining that role by really showing up when the games matter the most. We can talk more about this with our next guest who underwent a massive, massive life event yesterday. We're going to talk to him about it. Pete Sweeney of Arrowhead Pride joins us on the other side. This is 610 Sports Radio. You're listening to After Hours with Dusty Likens on 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app. Brought to you by Twin Peaks. Eats, drinks, scenic views.